This is Binod Shankar and you're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA and more. I would think why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical practical issues. Number 2, authentic. No bullshit, no sidestepping. The topics, guests and questions are all from that perspective. And number 3, take a charge the ground and see if a charge holder at 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mixing 10 years of entrepreneurship, through a decade of full-time CFA training, at speaking, mentoring, cycling and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the real finance mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Hi everyone, this is Binod Shankar here, the real finance mentor. and today we have another very interesting episode of this podcast series that i initiated to deliver insight and inspiration for finance careers um today i have uh, two guests with me and before i talk about them a bit of background so every year the cfa institute organizes investment research challenges around the world where universities send teams to participate in a local country specific competition to analyze a listed local company and they write reports they present before a panel of judges it's a tough competition that brings together financial modeling report writing skills teamwork etc etc and um, this year uh, middlesex university from uh, the uae dubai campus were the uae national champions in fact last year as well they were the national champions so i think they are sort of setting a record here and uh, since i'm so interested in the youth and uh, upskilling and employability and of course the cfa program i've invited two of the champs uh, saumya and steni to share their views about a variety of topics on this podcast so i look forward to hearing from them So here we go. So welcome Somi and Steni to the podcast. Thank you very much. So my first question here uh, would be who exactly are Steni Philip and Somi Raghavan? I mean how would your teachers and fellow students describe you? Um so I'm a very motivated individual who owns my goals. it career or anything else that interests me um, in my free time i'm an avid reader and an ardent fan of crime thrillers i particularly love music and playing the piano and sometimes i can crack a joke or two that can crack you up and do i would love to add fitness to the list right now i make up for it by watching workout videos from youtube which i guess is not bad for a beginner and um i like being busy so you wouldn't usually find me sitting idle Uh, so anyone who knows me would say i resemble monica from the show friends i'm passionate about my work and i give my best to everything that i take up my friends have always described me as a helpful person i strive for perfection and thus i can get like really picky about things and why monica particularly i absolutely love cleaning and organizing apart from that i would describe myself as a singer and artist i i like stenny's uh... focus on fitness because that's one of my passions as well and uh, i suppose that's a great thing to do and of course somi i think you're being very organized uh, definitely helps in many things in career and life right 
now going to, talking about this research challenge right so why did you guys volunteer for the tough cfa research challenge despite college exams and other uh, demands on your time so it was definitely a challenge not going to lie so ever since my first year of university i have always heard my seniors talk about the prestigious cfa research challenge and when there was a selection round in the third year i knew i simply had to try so and i can be confident enough to say that though the past 6 months were a tumultuous ride it was nothing short of a life changing experience uh, the hands on experience and the knowledge that we amassed during these 6 months were not the same as that we gained in our university life it was much more than all that it was definitely difficult to manage our time with the third year of university being another bumpy ride in itself but i knew as challenging as this would get it would also be rewarding and it sure is rewarding so uh, i never participated in competitions throughout the first year of my university and one of my lecturers actually noticed this and she told me that i should start participating because every competition is a learning experience of its own and that stuck with me and throughout second year i participated in a lot of competitions and most of those competitions actually required um, work for about one or two weeks and if i could gain those many uh, skills and learn so many new things in a span of two weeks the cfa research challenge is um, for a span of 6 months and i thought the knowledge i could gather would be um, incredible apart from that uh, around the end of my second year and beginning of third year while i liked finance i wanted to know more about it from a practical aspect so i thought the cfa research challenge would be a great experience and um, one of my seniors ms samina she showed me her equity research report that she had um, done and when she showed me that i was in first year and i was um, thinking that it would be great to produce a report like that um, by me so i really was motivated to participate in the cfa research challenge you know when listening to you guys uh, i'm struck by a mix of quite frankly envy and admiration because when i was your age i never got the opportunity to hear of or participate in such interesting and valuable competitions which i wish i had done because it's so character forming and upskills you and prepares you for the real world right yes definitely now it can't have been easy working for the first time with four other team members on the team right on a on such a complex project and also under immense pressure uh, regarding deadlines etc there must have been personality issues and technical logistical and personal challenges right so i've got two questions here for you tell me about the highs but i also want to know the lows and how did you manage especially the lows okay so um to address the first question about the highs and lows i will address the lows first so there were a fair share of issues that we had we could not meet up in person or work together physically which posed problems on its own and though there were technical and logistical challenges i would say that for me personal challenges were at the forefront so i had lost a loved one during covid uh, i had to travel back and forth from india and i had also tested covid positive so this all happened in a month's time and it was extremely difficult but on the bright side we learned that teamwork can make anything possible so we had each other's back throughout when someone could not do something another one would step in for them and then we would manage it like that and when we divided the work 
we divided it in such a way that uh, you know you you take up what you are the most good at so i am pretty good at uh, strategy so i took up the role of a strategist and somya on the other hand she was really good at numbers so she took up valuation similarly we all played on our strengths and since each one took up what they were best in and i think that helped a lot um dealing with personal loss is super hard for me because i was very close to my granddad who passed away and the initial plan was for me and harshi and another team member to uh, handle the report writing while the presentation would be handled by somya but this incident required me to take a step back from report writing and somya stepping in with harshi so there were a change of plans and i took up charge of the presentation instead so um i would like to address your question in two parts so the personality issues uh, technical logistical issues in um, that part of it i the only low that i can think of is that we had like a miscommunication uh, and a misunderstanding regarding the work segregation so i particularly felt that it was because of the amount of um, communication we did back and forth on whatsapp and email and if it wasn't uh, for an online mode of communication i don't even think this problem would have happened in the first place but we overcame this by discussing it over and uh, we just resolved the issue and uh, covid has been a tough year for everyone for me it was actually my mental health that uh, took a toll because i anyway have performance anxiety because i like things to be perfect and but also uh, i had covid anxiety so if uh, say my dad or my sister was stepping out for a meeting i would have palpitations at that time wondering if they be safe or um, whether you know the people around them are safe and the palpitations used to take time to subside and the sad part is i can't even predict at what point in the day i would have this i mean someone could be going out to grocery and coming back with the bags and i would be like okay is this safe but um, i used to just rationalize it and tell myself that they have taken all the precautions they can and there are just some things that i cannot control i just used to be pray i mean i just used to pray that they are safe um and they are fine and so at that point my family really supported me whenever i was feeling low or if i had palpitations or something and my sister particularly has been my backbone throughout this because she listens to a lot of podcasts and research so she keeps herself up to date about you know the covid research that comes and um, she would send it across to me and she would tell me to read it or listen to it so that i would feel better based on the most latest research uh, so yeah that was really tough managing uh, my mental health and cfa research challenge and university at the same time but um, i wouldn't have it any other way uh, looking back at it because i think it just made me a stronger person and as for the high notes uh, i took the task of uh, valuation so when we got the number for the um, ddm and dcf valuation and that aligned with the stories and the industry ratios we were all really excited on whatsapp uh, and we were just going back and forth uh, texting and the second high note i would say is when miss rashita called us up and told us that uh, we were the local winners so we were really happy about that as well yeah i mean you're getting excited about the cash flow statement telling and the dcf ddm valuation aligns with the strategy reminds me uh, as a qualified accountant of the excitement i go through when a balance sheet tallies right <laughs> and, <laughs> and it all makes sense but on the serious side somia uh, really appreciate you sharing your a very personal issue which is a mental health problems that you went through over the last 12 months and and how you coped with it uh, because i think it's something that a lot of people both young and old have experienced 
Uh, but yes. people rarely talk about it because it's still a very taboo subject in many societies. And I think yeah. uh, what helped you was your support system of friends and family. Definitely. And I think you need to have that uh, support system so that you, know, you can you can pull yourself um, out uh, and 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 get back to normal life. So uh, that's a actually quite an inspirational um, narrative from you. And I hope a lot of youngsters take heart from that and uh, believe that there's always an exit um, and it doesn't have to be doom and gloom, right? Um, yeah. Talking about support now. In the research challenge, I know because I was the project manager for the research challenge in the UAE, you had support from your faculty, right, uh, Ms. Rashita Putia, and from uh, the industry mentor, Ankur Agarwal, CFA. Now, I have two questions for you guys on that, right? On both attitude and aptitude side, what are the two things that really struck you when you were interacting with this experienced professionals? That's my first question. Okay, so firstly, they were extremely good at what they did. Like they carried themselves in such a way that demonstrated their proficiency and expertise. Secondly, and my most favorite point is that they did not give us ready-made answers for anything. But what they did do was help us think it out ourselves and whatever the problem may be. And I really admire that quality, like where you don't give the answer straight away. But you spark the curiosity and inquisitiveness in your mentees and you point us in the right way to go. So I think that's a really great thing. And lastly, their dedication towards students. And I have to name Ms. Rashita over here, who is our greatest motivation. She pushed us to work harder and she motivated us when we were completely exhausted. And the thing about uh, Ms. Rashida is that she never missed an opportunity to remind us that every single thing that we do or every single thing that uh, every, you know, you know, sometimes we were like so drained, so not motivated. And she would remind us that every single second is worth the pain. And that really pushed us to go forward. So uh, for Ms. Rashida, she's extremely passionate about uh, the subject and that is reflected in the amount of time and the amount of effort that she has put in training us throughout the last six months. I mean, she prepared 70 questions on an Excel sheet and she sent it to us for a 10 minute question and answer. And uh, she called uh, each of our parents on 10.30 on 27th, uh, the day the results came and she said that you all should be really proud of your children because they have stuck through such a difficult competition and uh, they have uh, emerged as the winners. And we're truly blessed to have a mentor like her. Um, and the second thing, uh, she expects a certain level of work from us and rightly so because she has an expertise in the subject. And if we show the effort in wanting to scale to that level, she's there to provide us with all the support that we need. And um, even when we didn't actually qualify to the next round, I remember the only thing she said was, you, all of you gave in your best and you uh, worked hard throughout the last six months. So if anything, you should be really happy and proud of what you've accomplished. And um, it is still uh, time to celebrate. And as for Mr. Ankur, um, like Ms. Rashida provided a lot of technical um, knowledge, mm. but Mr. Ankur gave a lot of industry insights and more of the practical aspects. And from a judge point of view, what are the things that would actually um, add value to our report? He constantly told us of that. So for instance, um, Tabri uh, were, were to start their operations in India in 2021. And we calculated the tax amount on that and it was really insignificant. So we were wondering if we should even show it. 
And when we asked him, he said, no, you should, because it shows that you paid attention to even the tiniest detail. And uh, things like that we found really valuable from Mr. Ankur. And something that is common between the two of them is they always are open and willing to answer our questions, again, if we approach them. So they respond to curiosity and they're extremely patient while explaining it to you. So even if we ask them a second time that we didn't quite understand what you're trying to tell us, they would be extremely patient and explain it all over again. So it was really nice to have the support of two mentors. Yes, interesting. I mean, I know you've talked about both your mentors, but conceptually, what are your thoughts on the value of mentors, especially for uh, fresh young graduates who are about to enter the workplace? Yeah, so I think if you had probably asked me this question before the CFA Research Challenge, I wouldn't have had much to say. But after being a part of this competition, I think while a good mentor imparts his or her knowledge to you, they also prompt you to think and look for answers on your own. Sometimes you'll be uh, drained and exhausted. I know this because I've been there. So they will encourage you when you need it the most. And I think more importantly for youngsters like us who are just starting a career, mentorship is an invaluable resource. Like there are a lot of things we have no clue about, like we absolutely have no clue about. And if there is someone who's willing to offer us um, advices without sugarcoating it, I think that is simply great and we are ever ready to take it. After having mentors, I certainly do think it's um, important for every student to have mentors in uh, university, especially because we're just confused. Um, and the mentors, they give you the necessary guidance about all the confusion that you have. And the best part I felt was they give you the space to bounce off and shape your own ideas. And they also like why they they input uh, they give their own inputs to your thought process without actually dictating what your opinion should be. So um, like if I had to give you an example, so for financial modeling, there were a lot of times when I was doubtful if the estimate that I'm doing or the assumption that I'm making is correct. But Mr. Rashida used to always say that, okay, I can tell you broadly that your revenue cannot probably be about 10%, but you need to trust yourself that the assumptions that you're making are right. And additionally, they uh, stimulate and they build the technical skills and the four C's that you had mentioned in one of your LinkedIn posts, um, curiosity, communication, collaboration, and critical thinking. And I would like to add a fifth C, confidence, because I definitely see an improvement in all of the above in myself. And they're probably going to steal that. Uh, I'm going to upgrade my 4C to 5C now. I'll add the confidence next time I say or post anything on social media, right? Uh, now, let's talk about higher education in the UAE, right? College education in the UAE, uh, as you know, is often regarded as subpar compared to, say, UK, US, Canada, Australia, and even compared to some good colleges in India. So why did you stay back and study in the UAE when you probably had other options? Um, it definitely is regarded as subpar, but it necessarily is not subpar. Actually, my initial plan after my uh, grade 12 was to go to a good college in India because college education in UAE, as we all know, is pretty expensive. And I wasn't really sure whether I should do it here. But on doing a little research myself, I um, got to know about Middlesex University. So then they had uh, really attractive scholarships and I heard that the faculty over there is like really good. And to top it all, they also had ACC exemptions um, out of the total 13, they offered a nine paper exemption. So 
So I think Middlesex really provided value for money, and it definitely was not subpar when compared to um, other colleges abroad or even in India. Uh, respectfully, I think that quality education is subpar in the UAE, at least for undergraduate education. Um, a lot of international universities are established in this country, and the international curriculum is also followed uh, very rigorously, such as my university, Middlesex. And I believe that no matter what university you study in, it is what you make of that experience that shapes your knowledge. And uh, particularly for a field like accounting and finance, when I did my research, I found that um, like in comparison to all the other countries as well, UAE provided a well-rounding um, ex learning experience and um, it was at par with what uh, internationally it's offered. So if I got quality education, I didn't compromise on anything and I was at the comfort of my house, I chose to be here. And with the pandemic, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise for me. So we talked about college education being expensive in the UAE, right? Now that you're almost done with college, reflecting back and looking at the demands of the job market, right, in the UAE and abroad, do you think the time and money you spend here were well spent or not? I mean, give me three reasons why. Okay, so I initially, as I mentioned, did think it was a bit too expensive. Then again, when I weighed the pros and cons, I think that the money and in particular, the time spent was very well spent. First of all, studying in an accredited and recognized university helped me gain a number of scholarships, in particular, the CMA program scholarship. And there is also a yearly um, scholarship offered by Middlesex, which slashed down my fees by almost half. And I found it like simply great. And second thing I would like to say is exposure. So not only did I gain a quality UK degree, I also gained exposure to several different things that helped me become employable. So I had like firms messaging me in LinkedIn, uh, even though even when I was in my first year, that um, you know like they have seen my profile and they would like me to intern with them. So I think that being a first year and then you getting like internship offers is like simply great. And I don't think you would probably get it anywhere else in the world because at the same time, you know, like I had my friends from India. Uh, so then they had come and then they were actually struggling to find an internship in Dubai. So I think studying in a recognized university will help you gain that, you know, exposure. And thirdly, extracurriculars. Um, while I admit that classroom learning is super essential for a student, I think what really gives us a taste of the outside world, of the real corporate world is competitions. And we had the amazing opportunity to take part in a number of competitions like the CFA Research Challenge. And I think every penny spent was definitely worth it. Mm. So firstly, I got a merit scholarship like Steny had mentioned from the university. And um, I got two other scholarships to pursue professional qualifications. So definitely it was money well spent because I got a great quality education and I'm able to pursue professional qualifications. And uh, the number of opportunities that our university provides us with is um, quite a lot because we had a lot of competitions, both internal and um, outside university competitions. And um, they provided us with scholarships and the faculty is always there to train you for every opportunity that comes your way. So that rigorous training also helped me upskill myself. So I definitely think that makes me employable to meet the demands of the job market. And uh, thirdly, I think the exposure available in a country like UAE is global because um, 
there are both homegrown and international companies and they're always looking for talented people. So this combined with the skills that um, we've attained over the last three years in university, I truly believe it was uh, time and money well spent. Hmm. Right. So these days in the media, you've probably heard a lot about, you know, this young Goldman Sachs bankers who made this big presentation protesting tough working conditions and talking about, you know, uh, long days and nights and weekends and tough working conditions with 105 hours a week and things like that, right? So, I mean, you are graduates going to the workplace. So I'm very curious, what are your thoughts when you read such news items? Uh, are you confident, scared, anxious, curious? Tell me more. Um, so I think it, it is my personal opinion that working hours like this should not actually be glorified, nor should employers take advantage of their employees. But however, I don't um, refute the fact or discourage people like, you know, because it is really your personal choice in the end. And if you don't mind talking a number of us, then so be it. And Goldman Sachs really has a reputation and everyone really wants to work in there. So I don't really blame the people who choose to work over there. But then again, like there's plenty of people waiting in line to get that one single job. And, but you know, there is a need that we remind ourselves, our government our, and our employers, like, you know, work is not the only thing in your life. You have to earn your livelihood. It is an essential thing as a human being, but you need to also make sure that you hit the right balance between work and life, which definitely is not easy, but it is an absolute necessity given the time that we're living in and the growing importance of mental health. Hmm. So I'm reminded of the quote, um, if you do what you will love, you will never work a day in your life. And I think that quote is true, but not if you're working out um, is 9am to 3am, because then you're just going to burn out and you might just start disliking work. And uh, while the choice to work in companies like Goldman Sachs is on the employee and also the dream for a lot of people, I think there is a power disparity um, in the equation between an employer and an employee. Um, okay, so what I mean by this is that if the employee decides that, okay, I will work only a certain hours and beyond that, I will not put in work, the employer can just decide to fire them. And uh, there's like Steny said, there's someone waiting in line to take over your place. And because of that replaceability, I think um, it is a tough choice for many. And there could be a lot of people out there for who this work is not just the dream, but also they do it for the high reward because they could be having student loans or they could be the sole earning member in their family and things like that. And since the jobs out there are few, they don't have a choice. Um, so I do believe that employers hold a higher power there and there is a need for better working conditions because of that. With uh, work from home expected to continue um, in the near future, there definitely needs to be a clear defined work time. Mm, true. Uh, let's continue talking about careers because it's an area of special interest for me, right? Now, success in careers is generally much tougher for women than men because uh, number one, in many cultures, especially in uh, Middle East and Asia, right? There's so much social pressure. Girls are expected to marry early, uh, have kids, raise those kids, look after the home, including in-laws, at the same time be super conservative, et cetera, right? And that can negatively affect career progression. And number two, a male-dominated workplace, which is very common in finance, right? 
So you probably felt number one, right? The first part of what I said, the cultural part and you know the family pressure part, but most likely not number two yet because you have yet to enter a, a workplace. And you probably thought about these issues, right? Uh, gender disparity, gender discrimination, especially in finance, which is probably your chosen field. How do you view this and how do you plan to navigate through this? Okay, uh, so talking about the first one, um, lucky for me, my parents are always super supportive and has always and always been my greatest encouragement. And uh, my dad, like he's like a huge inspiration to me and he's always the first person I turn to when I make decisions regarding my education and career. So, and I have two sisters, like we don't have any boys in the house. So man, my dad has never really treated us any less than he would treat any other boy. Like we were brought up independent and like we knew all the aspects of, um, you know, like running a house, like be it finance or um, finances or, you know, any other, like even household aspects. And my dad is someone who's, you know, like he always helps my mom in cooking and, and everything is like, you know, there's an equal share of work. So I think that has really influenced my thinking about, you know, equality and, um, you know, how everyone should be treated. So, and I think that is a huge blessing. And talking of the second one, a male dominated workplace, I still haven't, I still haven't felt the brunt of it until now. Yeah. But when I look around, I see things changing. I see so many women holding top positions in top firms. And I think that's a really good beginning. And I feel privileged to be part of such a time where uh, women are, you know, empowered. I'm sure like, I will find a way through. And what really matters is what they think of, think of ourselves. And there shouldn't be a point of time where, you know, um, we think of ourselves, oh, I'm a woman. I can't really reach there. But then, like, look around, look for inspiration. There's so many women who have made it to the top. And if they can, so can I. And you eventually become what you settle for. One thing I've kept on um, holding to my, uh, holding on, um, you know, like even when I've made a lot of decisions is what I'm settling for. There is a lot of options. Like I can settle for less. I can just settle for a, like a job, which is not very recognized, but I've made it a point in my life that, you know, I settle for the best. I know the best way mind that might not be, um, I can, I may not see it now, but I know that it will come to me and I'll eventually find it. Um, so, uh, same as Steny, I have never faced any social pressure as a woman in my house. And I've always um, grown around strong, independent women uh, in my family who have always um, taken their decision, be it choosing to raise a family or deciding their own career trajectory. And um, I have an elder sister at home. Again, like Steny's family, I don't have um, any brothers. So my sister's technically of the marriageable age, according to society, but uh, I don't see my parents telling her anything and she's deciding her own, um, she's making her own choices. And that's also because the men in my family, right from my grandfather, they've always been supportive and they've always believed in the importance of um, empowering women. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, Divya Surya Devara, the, uh, the then CFO of General Motors. Now she's the CFO of Stripe. And um, when I was reading her story, I remember um, roughly around six years back, um, I was in school and I found it really inspirational because she had a difficult background, both financially and personally, but she worked hard and she uh, rose to become the CFO, the first woman CFO of a major US automaker. But she also has a family right now at the same time. So like Steny said, there is no reason for us to settle for less. And um, 
to answer your second question about a male dominated workplace um recently uh, in one of your linkedin posts you had uh, mentioned that there were um, i think eight women in finance from the barons list um who were women of color and um, i don't know why but for some reason i saw number 2 was uh, ms anu ayengar and i just started reading up about her um, career and her journey and um, seeing that she rose to the top at a time when the um, conversation about equality was so bleak and she showed strength and she did not give up when her interviewer said that she was of the wrong gender of the wrong color and in the wrong country i mean that really inspired me because if she could do it i think i can because even though i've not felt the male dominated workplace yet there have been improvements over the years in terms of you know breaking the glass ceiling and i will be entering the workplace at a time when the conversation is at least prevalent and hopefully by the time i'm old uh, equality is like um, completely there in, in every um, workplace and my plan to navigate through this is just to work hard to be the best at what i am doing and i'll let my work speak for itself i mean very interesting right it's quite important to have the right network or connections i mean i think both of you referred to the fact that you had strong women and supportive men in your family right and that itself is a big thing because you you grow you grow up seeing successful strong women um with 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 uh, and, and who are fulfilling their potential right and very interesting for me is also you mentioned two names right uh, samya divya suradevara and uh, anu ayengar and i think uh, that's also very important to have strong role models in the sector that you are looking at because then suddenly it's it you can identify with these people and and you believe if these people with this background similar to mine can do it then probably i can do it as well i think we are seeing an increase in such role models in finance of women entering finance and hopefully it picks up and and it really encourages more young women to enter finance because i think the lack of role models is one significant uh, hurdle um especially when you don't have uh, women to mentor women at the workplace uh that can be a hurdle and a hope if you do have senior women who are able and willing to mentor juniors right uh now let's talk about professional networking right you're both active on linkedin which is fantastic because i am also quite have been also very active on on that platform uh it is great because it is the professional networking platform and i keep saying that to everyone right every youngster now of course i want to discuss what you have found out about this platform so tell me three things like two good and say one bad that you have found out about linkedin okay so to start off i think linkedin is a great platform which has made networking a lot easier so firstly if you're looking to motivate yourself linkedin is the go to platform you see a lot of people achieving their dreams irrespective of their age gender or culture and naturally it pushes you to think that if they can do it so can i and you know that's a great motivation sometimes you're like exhausted and you you, you want to know like you know if you have that thing in you like if you if, if you have what it takes to be you know to, to reach a position where you'll be recognized or you know you can um achieve that qualification you always wanted to get a job that you always wanted but then you see posts of you know people who have actually gone through these stuff and then how they've overcome it and then we think that if they can do it then definitely we can do it there is a way out if we want and another thing is like posts like yours um which tell me what i need to hear rather than what i would want to hear it's sometimes it's just like so on the face but 
it's, it's really true and I know that. And, you know, um, another, speaking of that, I see in LinkedIn that, you know, like a lot of people are just superficial. There's a lot of advices which doesn't make any sense and they just put up there just for the sake of putting out content. And one more mm-hmm. thing I would like to mention about LinkedIn is that uh, there's a lot of people who come just there to make, just there to make friends. So then there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I, if I should say this, but you know, there's a lot of men who message like, hi, can we be friends? Where are you from? Where do you live? Like all those things. So I think that's quite annoying. And then to think that you know, LinkedIn is a professional networking site and then people coming there to make friends, I, I don't think that's really acceptable. I think some people confuse Facebook with LinkedIn. <laughs> Maybe they should <laughs> stick to Facebook. Uh, so two good things. The first one being, I think it's like a one-stop shop for human interaction and development. Again, not on a social, but on an intellectual level, but clearly, like Sunny said, some people are misusing it. So um, in terms of be it connecting with people of uh, common subject interests or to find mentors or, uh, you know, prospective employment opportunities and definitely to learn, it has, um, it has it all and it helps you with all of it. And personally for me, one thing that I found really interesting about um, uh, LinkedIn was if I generally read a piece of information, I form an opinion about it. But having a platform like LinkedIn, it enabled me to get a lot of different perspectives on the same matter, uh, which is something you don't get on a normal news app. So if uh, I were to give an example, I remember there was this news article which said uh, Zomato India gives uh, paid leave uh, for uh, 10 days to women who are on their periods or something. And I clicked on the comment section and it was so interesting to read because it's like a debate going on there in the comment section about whether it should be 10 days, whether it should be seven days, whether it should even be there, you know. So um, it was really interesting like that for many uh, pieces of information to read the comments. And uh, the bad thing that I have experienced is um, it's really difficult to distinguish between what is real and what is fake. So I remember uh, this one week, I came across like a lot of posts where, uh, you know, one person posts saying that my uh, prospective employee asked me for uh, 28,000 as the salary, but, you know, I chose to give 35,000. And I kept seeing this and I was like, everyone somehow has the same figure and the same amount. And, you know, so, I mean, that's obvious. It was obvious it was fake, but I think there are a lot of... um, information out there that you know might be a little more harder to distinguish and I also found profiles to be fake Uh, so once I remember there was this connection request that I got and I did not know the company so I just did a quick google search and I didn't find anything so I found a facebook page so I clicked on that page and I found some really disturbing content on it and um, it, it made it a lot harder to trust genuine people and to connect with them because I'm skeptical of hitting that connect button these days because I tend to wonder who is on the other side of the conversation, if it's genuine, if they're actually, if their identity is who they actually are. Because I feel like I'm revealing my identity to someone, but what if I'm not receiving it from the other end? So that's definitely uh, one of the bad things that I've seen with LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, talking about opinions and advice. So, I mean, you guys are young, and you've gone through school and college and competitions, right? And things like that. So you must have been on the receiving side of opinions, advice, instructions, suggestions, right? From parents, family members, teachers, uh, mentors, um, right? So 
And of course, you are still trying to form your own opinions. But I'm curious, give me some examples, some great advice, and of course, some bullshit advice that you've got in the past about education, career, uh, and life. Okay, so I've got a lot of advices in my life. So to start with a great one first, if I could think of one great advice, it would be, um, it's a little complicated. So don't be afraid of being afraid. So I chanced upon this in my first year of university. Uh, this is one advice that has always helped me to seize every opportunity that came my way. So back in school, I was that one kid who was always afraid to try because I was afraid I would fail. I had this fear of failure, like, oh God, what if I go for it? And if I fail, what will others think of me? I always used to have that constant fear. But when I came to university, I started to push myself. You know, like I realized that if I am the one standing between my success and me, I think my greatest enemy was myself. I think fear was the biggest enemy. So I pushed myself to, you know, like just get, like if I don't try, I don't even stand a chance of winning. So I decided, you know, like I'm going to seize every opportunity that comes my way, be it like whether I win or not, I decided to make it a learning experience. If I fail one time, so what? I can win the next time. And um, talking about a bullshit advice, it would definitely be what every other person has told me. Don't bite off more than you can chew. There's too much on your plate. Well, there might be too much on my plate, if, but if that's what you want, so be it. I think 20s is that time of your life where you either make it or break it. You can either waste it all away or you can like invest it, like study a valuable course or you can like do more productive things. Mm. So I want to do it. So who's to decide what I want in my life? I decided I wanted to be productive. So it should be productive. Uh, so continuing with the bullshit advice, um, I wouldn't call it so much as... Um, advice because I've heard it but no one has ever told me this but uh, yes I believe in uh, school there's a lot of over focus on marks and uh, sure while that can be important to get to a certain stage in your life I think the focus should also be on continuous learning because um, in the long run that's the only thing that's going to help uh, you thrive in your career so maybe till school in college your parents or your teachers or they could be telling you okay get marks do this, study this. But beyond that, if you are not going to have it, um, you know, like a self-motivation that, okay, I should learn and I should continuously update myself with what is happening. I mean, no one can really help you um, in the later parts of your life. So I also think that it's important to uh, have it from a young age. And um, as a side note, something that my parents have always told me is uh, the drive to even score marks and to learn, it should always be internal. So this was something that was always taught to me from a young age and continuing with uh, good advice always from my parents and uh, my sister as well. So you will always have work and uh, you know it's only going to get tougher as you grow older but you have to find time for things that are really important to you. So they always tell this to me with regards to my physical exercise and meditating. I haven't really been focusing a lot on it in the last year because of work but they, were, they would always tell me that, you know, you should at least take out half an hour or 45 minutes in a day to focus on those things as well. And the second good advice that I always, always carry with me is uh, your success does not matter if you have compromised on your values or your ethics to um, achieve it. And they always emphasize on honesty that 
it should be honesty even when no one is watching you so it's not just when you're being monitored but what you whether you're honest to yourself and um, the second thing would be to be helpful with um, i mean help everyone out there so because it's only going to make you a better person and you're going to end up learning in that process you'll always learn something when you help others so yeah these are the advice that i've got till date i like that part about uh, three things that you said somya which i really connect with uh, one is don't focus too much on scores and marks and and also try and achieve a work life balance physical exercise meditation etc and very very important especially in finance right don't compromise on your values or ethics especially yeah that's quite important now you guys are about to approach uh, a very important part of your life right or phase of your life which is you're about to graduate and you're looking forward uh, hopefully to many things in life so i've got two related questions here right and first is what's your take on your chosen careers in terms of trends prospects opportunities and challenges okay so um i aspire for a career in finance though i have not particularly decided on the specifics and i know for a fact that finance is a fiercely competitive field with the pandemic only making it more competitive the businesses are growing and since finance is fundamental to every business regardless of the sector the future of finance definitely does not look dull but at the same time i see that the opportunities are less and the competition is just great so um i think but finance is a very um nice field for to um grow in to work in to learn about new things and and i think but there are a lot of challenges that come with it because mm. the the you know people are just competitive right now and everyone everyone has like at least one or two qualifications so i think you really need to stand out uh the one thing i feel that poses is both an opportunity and a challenge at the same time uh, in again my chosen career finance is the increased demand for um, certain skills like financial modeling and maybe if they are at a more senior position things like data analytics and technology uh, to supplement along with your professional technical knowledge so you not only need a professional qualification and your undergraduate but you also need these skills and why i said it's an opportunity because you get to upskill yourself in the process but it's a challenge because it's a completely new subject that you have to learn and sometimes i've um, seen that a lot of people who have done it they end up easing into finance because you know they do financial uh, like like a financial professional qualification and then they have the it skills and then they're definitely more employable so like sunny said the competition is also a lot and yeah that's what i believe is the future but then again we don't know 10 years from now things could change a new technology could come or there could be a demand for a new skill right i mean you talked about opportunities and challenges right so given that you seem to have decided to go for a career in finance what's your personal plan to deal with this or take advantage of this opportunities and challenges um the only way as obvious as it is is to compete so we have to like stand out from the crowd um like somya said we have to keep on upskilling ourselves learn new skills uh, the demands of the market might change then so we have to like you know continuously focus on what are the current demands and then upskill yourself accordingly my personal plan to deal with this is to have an understanding of the subject rather than just mug it all up while i'm in this learning stage and i think it should be all about learning because the more you learn the more knowledgeable you are 
and you are better placed to apply it in your workplace. And another thing is to set goals for yourself, hold yourself accountable. Uh, for me, what I've done is like, I've set like short-term targets and long-term targets for myself. I know what I want to be in the future, like 10 years down the lane or five years down the lane, I know what I want to be. And I need to work for it. I can't just make a plan and sit idle. So what I have to do is I have to work for it, find out what is the right certification that goes along with what which will complement what I want to be. And we should not tell anyone, um, you know, never let anyone tell you what you want to aim for. Aim for. Like, so you own your goal and then you work for it. And I, I think that's the mantra right now. So as a short-term goal, uh, so for the professional qualification side of it, I'm planning to um, give my CFA level one. And from the skills side of it, uh, I learned financial modeling in the CFA research challenge, but I definitely want to perfect it because I think there's a lot of scope for me to become better. So I receive a scholarship for the financial modeling institute um, AFM exam. So I'm planning to give that to perfect my uh, financial modeling skills. And definitely in the long term, uh, I, I mean, based on my research, at least, I would like to learn uh, Python and then learn R because I saw that Python is easier to begin with for someone who has no coding um, experience. And then transitioning to R is uh, then easier. And R is more um, in demand for finance, like for data analytics and finance. But then again, like I said, I don't know, five years, 10 years from now, the demands of the market could just completely change and I'll have to, uh, you know, replan and go according to that. But as of now, this is my plan. Well, all good things come to an end, right? So uh, I think it's time to wrap up this very fascinating interview. I always fascinate, find fascinating to uh, dig into the minds of youngsters and hear about their hopes, fears, ambitions, aspirations, etc. And, and this podcast has given me a fascinating insight into what uh, you guys think. Uh, I think, uh, I, I mean, you guys are obviously bright and ambitious and quite diligent and, and remarkably quite street smart and aware of what's happening around you, right? And, and the demands and opportunities and challenges. And hence, I think this particular episode would be of immense value to anyone right now in college uh, or even fresh graduates, uh, not just looking for a career in finance, but pretty much a career in any of their chosen fields. Um, because there's so much valuable information about um, uh, education and learning and uh, mental toughness, about attitude, about upskilling that can help them in their careers. So thank you so much, Soumya and Steny, for spending the time and sharing your thoughts. And uh, I am sure you're at the threshold of a, I hope you're at the threshold of a very interesting and uh, fulfilling career. Uh, I, I'll, I'll watch your careers with uh, considerable interest. So thank you a lot. Thank you for having us over, Vinod. Thank you. Thank you for having us over. This has been a great self-reflection process for even us. Yes, absolutely. This is brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binot Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes, plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.